thank you, Mount Zion Church Choir. That was very lovely. You know, we serve a risen Savior. Amen. Let's pray together. Jesus, we thank you so much for your sacrifice for us. Thank you for pouring out your life and giving it for us, becoming the Lamb. And Lord, we thank you that you are risen again. Lord, and that we can look to you with that hope of the resurrection. But not only that, but Lord, we can receive your power. And so, Father, we ask that you would manifest the power of your Son in us today. Let resurrection power flow in us and through us. We pray in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Happy Easter to you all. He's alive and he ever lives for his people and for the glory of his Father. And because he arose, as it says and has been pointed out at the back of the sanctuary, he's the resurrection and the life. And he longs for us to know that power, to experience that power in our lives. We can believe for that power to flow in us and through us as we trust in him for it. I wanted to, to take the liberty, if you would allow me to consider a prophecy that was quickened to me in the convention, and it has to do with an element of the power of God. The Bible talks about how his spirit is like the wind. It's a powerful element, one of the most powerful elements of the world that can move great structures. The spirit is like that invisible power. We don't know where he comes from. We don't know where he goes, but we sure feel his effect when he is moving upon us. And his power enables us to progress on our spiritual journey. And, you know, that wind is symbolic of the power of God moving. You know, it was, it was concerning the wind of God in the scriptures that he first moved upon the church, wasn't it? Those disciples were sitting in the upper room. How did they know God was with, a, with them, empowering them? to take that next step of faith, which was to proclaim Jesus Christ as the risen Savior. Acts 2 and verse 1, when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound of heaven, a rushing mighty wind came upon them, blew through that place. It filled the house where they were. And so God caused that mighty wind to blow upon his disciples as a symbol of the empowerment they would walk in to be witnesses for Christ through all the nations of the earth. It started in that one place and the wind blew throughout all the earth. God wants to see that power come upon all his people, that we are filled with the mighty power of Christ, his resurrection power, because that's the power that brings life, right? We're not just come to, to get people to repeat after us to pray. We're to impart power for them to be delivered from darkness into his marvelous light. Oh, we need that resurrection power to flow through us and to move our lives, right? Great ships, in the past, now they're moved with diesel and engines, but in the past, 
mighty, massive ships were moved by just a little bit of, uh, you know, canvas stuck up because they could harness the power of the wind to move them across the world. God wants to move us in our journey through the mighty power of his spirit. And so wind speaks of power to move us, to strengthen us in our walk with him. But you know, the the scriptures also talks about wind as a power to destroy and remove what is not of him, what's not pleasing to him. I was just thinking of the book of Daniel, and he's interpreting the vision that Nebuchadnezzar had of that that mighty image, and you know the and and there's something there that that reveals power to remove what is going to oppose God. Well, God has power to remove that. And in Daniel two and verse thirty four, it says, "You watched while a stone was cut out without hands, which struck the image of the feet." of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. The iron and clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all crushed together, became like chaff, the summer threshing floors. And so Daniel sees a picture of the stone coming from heaven and destroying that image that represents the kingdom of the Antichrist. And it says the wind carried it away so no trace was found. The stone that struck the image became a great mountain that filled the whole earth. And so, you know, these, that image spoke of the evil empires of the day that had to do with, uh, with Israel and then the, the kingdom that the Antichrist is going to rise up in the last days. That stone, which is Christ, comes and just destroys it. And then he sends his wind and it's blown all away. It's removed. It's never to be seen again. And that's the key point with his wind. It moves away what is not established in him. And so there's two elements of God's wind that will affect creation and his people that I I want to consider. We will all experience the first part, the first element. And if we prepare our hearts, then we will experience the second element. And so look at, I want to consider the first element of the wind of God that comes upon creation And I would propose that we will all experience the wind that tests us. The wind that tests us. And I want to consider this by looking at a parable that's very familiar, but I want to look at at something that maybe we don't always consider about it. And that's the parable of being built upon the rock that Jesus shared. Now, the version we usually read is in Matthew 7, I'm going to read one verse because it links with us with that thought concerning the wind. Matthew 7, 25, and it says, The rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew. That house was being tested with a mighty wind that was blowing in, in association with the storm. And of course, it, it, here's the good house. It, it beat upon that house and it did not fall because it was founded upon the rock. So here's a a house founded upon the rock. It's firmly connected to that rock. And what happens? The the floods, the rain, and the wind beat upon that house. Have you ever felt like that in a trial? (laughs) Oh, the wind is just blowing. I feel like I'm getting beat up. It's beating upon us. 
I've seen some videos of a place called Mount Washington in New Hampshire. I don't know if anyone's ever had the, the uh, uh, well, of course, there's some New Hampshireites who've driven up. There's another one. And you've, maybe you've had, you've been in the car and you drive up and up and up Mount Washington. You get to the top. At the bottom, you had shorts and a t-shirt on. And when you get to the top, you're like, oh, I wish I'd brought a better coat because it's very cold up there. Um, in fact, they have the highest recorded wind gusts on that mountain, 231 miles an hour, if you can believe it. It's hard to even imagine the force of that wind. And if you look it up, you can see videos of people, uh, usually the scientists will send their interns out. <laughs> it's kind of a ritual, it's like, see if you can stand in the wind, because they regularly get gusts of 100 miles an hour, 130. And so you see YouTube videos of people trying to stand and they, you know, they get up there and then all oh, they lose their footing and they just tumble you know, down the, down the way, and they get back up and try to make it back inside. You know, just, it's like that wind is just whipping and beating upon them. But yet we go through storms and situations in life that feels very similar. But what is the key? The key is our connection to the rock. But I, I want to see that by considering another version of the parable in Luke. And so let's read this in Luke chapter 6, verse 46. And Jesus says, Why do you call me Lord and not do what I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I'll show you what he's like. He's like a man or a woman who built a, built a house and they dug deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon the rock. That's the distinction between the first example. He dug deep. He developed a, you know, if from an engineer's standpoint, he developed a strong mechanical connection to the foundation, which is Christ, the rock. But I want us to notice something in verse 49 that we can kind of miss in Matthew's version, because he that hears and does not is like a man without a foundation. Sometimes in, in Matthew we think, well, it's the sand, right? Well, Jesus is saying, here's someone who hears my sayings and doesn't do them. It's like someone with no foundation. They built that house upon the earth, and then the stream beat vehemently upon it, and the ruin of that house was great. And in this parable, in this version, in this gospel, Jesus is not necessarily emphasizing the type of material, the soil which the house is built upon. What's lacking? It's any foundation. It's any connection to the earth. It's kind of like, you know, the house is like a box set out in the open. It's just put on the ground. And what happens when you just set a box on the earth? Eventually, a wind is going to come that's strong enough to just lift that up, and it's gone. It doesn't have a chance to make it through the storm because it's not connected. And so that key difference is that points of connection in our foundation, if we are connected to Christ, then we will last through not just every storm of life, but we'll last into eternity because we're founded upon 
Jesus Christ. We will last because we're connected to him when everything around us is being blown away. Of course, Jesus clearly said what our points of connection are, right? How how are we connected to him? Whoever hears my words and does them, he is connected to me. Not just whoever hears it and takes the best notes and, you know, uh, can repeat them and rehearse them in the best way. It's whoever hears my words and puts them into practice in their life. They're connected to me, and they're founded upon the rock. And really, I would propose that there are three areas of connection that we have to regard in this. The first one, obviously, is his word, his written word to us, right? We have his scriptures. We read it. We meditate. We obey it. We put it into practice in our lives. And, you know, that's described as in the Greek as the logos, the written word of God, Every word will remain and shall not pass away. And so we want, to, we want to be attached to what will not pass away. But, you know, there's, a, there's another aspect because sometimes we face a problem in a situation where we, have an, we, have a, an, we need an answer. How do we know which one of the 31,102 verses apply to our situation? That's a good question. See, that's where we need the rhema. We need the spirit of Christ to come and illuminate his word and speak directly to our heart to show us what is the answer? Which way should we go? All right, and so there's that twofold aspect. But you know, there really is a third because I have been in situations where I've got the word, I'm crying out for a rhema, but everything is confusing because I'm in a storm. And so what do I have to do? I have to go to my authority. And so we need a spiritual authority and covering to guide us at times in the way. We're unsure which way God leads us. And we submit to our authority and God speaks to them and leads us in the way. So really we need three, all three elements working to have a full and sure connection to Christ. We want the fullness. Three speaks of fullness. We need the fullest connection. You know, we don't want to risk a weak connection, do we? On a building, even one weak connection can compromise the structure, and that can be true in our lives, because there is a roaring lion out there seeking whom he may devour. And so he'll find a weak point and he'll start to work at it and he'll start to pick at it and he'll start to try and weaken the structure and get inside, you know, maybe you can look at him as the termites. If, you know, especially in Florida, if you have an open, you know, way for the termites to get into your house, they start feasting. They start gobbling up and eating the structure and it, becomes, it can become unsound, depending on how much they are allowed to get in there. Or maybe you can have a, you know, a building that's supported with big pillars, but if one of those starts to crack, the external forces can start to you know, put too much pressure on the other ones, and the whole structure can become unstable. 
And so the spirit of this age is ready and willing to blow upon us, to test us, to see if we're we're really firmly connected. Now, I was thinking of three areas that that are described of how we can be tested through the, the winds of this world. You know, Paul talks about every wind of doctrine. God sends those things to test us. How firmly are we rooted in his word and in his truth? We'll be tested on that. You know, we, we all, I'm kind of glad that uh, in one sense my, well, we're never done studying, but I don't miss college exams. You know, <laughs> the pressure of being tested. But yet we never get out of that in the Christian life. Tests come and so we have to be You know, we have to constantly check ourselves. Lord, am I grounded? Am I connected to you? Is there any area of disconnection? Because I know I'm going to be tested multiple times, many ways. The last days, Jesus said, there's going to be winds of deception. Hmm. Strong winds. Not just people trying to reason with us. It will be a spirit of deception. A spirit that we will not be able to stand against. We will be deceived if we are not fully connected to him. We must have his knowledge. We must have his discernment. Then we will stand strong in those winds. There's one last wind I want to consider. It was something my wife actually shared with me just the other day as the Lord was quickening to her. And it was concerning flattery. Flattery. You know something that it talks about the man of sin that's going to appear. In the last days, it says he will deceive many with flattery. It actually says it three times in the book of Daniel. You know, the world would would come and try and flatter. And what does that mean? Really, it's just trying to say, oh, you're the best. You're good just as you are. You know, you deserve to be recognized and appreciated just for who you are. You don't need to change. Just trust in your own heart. And many other things that will convince us we're okay without Jesus. That's what it comes down to ultimately. Daniel 11.32, And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he corrupt by flattery. The root word in the Hebrew for flattery means to divide. Jesus, or the the enemy wants to come and divide us from the rock, to disconnect us from our foundation. He might say, you're okay, like he did to Eve. You won't die if you eat this fruit. In fact, you'll be like God. You'll know the difference between good and evil. I hate flattery because really what people are doing are they have a wrong motive and they're trying to get you on their side instead of connected to Christ. Now, there are those who are encouraged because they're trying to encourage you to get connected to Christ, but there's a difference between encouragement and flattery. Those who have a strong foundation are not moved by flattery because If we continue on in Daniel 11.32, it says, but the people that know their God will be strong and do exploits because they are founded upon the rock. And you see, when we're fully 
connected to God through obedience to his word, then we're candidates to experience the second element of the wind. See, we're all tested by the wind in our lives. Are we founded? But you know, when we're founded, then we're candidates to the second aspect. And that's instead of the wind that tests us, it's the wind that blesses us. You know, when Israel faced an impassable obstacle, the Lord told Moses, I'm going to fight for you. Just hold your peace. That obstacle was the Red Sea. And so what happened that allowed Israel to just pass right through the Red Sea? Let's, let's read in Exodus 14, 21. It says, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord caused it to go back by a strong east wind. That must have been, I can't even imagine what a wind would be to, to move a billion gallons of water <laughs> on either side and cause it to just stand up like a wall while Israel passed right through on dry ground. What a wind that was. Supernatural. But yet, God wants to do that in our lives. We might, fa- we might face obstacles of things we know God wants to do, of things we have in our heart. We even heard one this morning. God put it in the heart of Grace and May to come and visit, but they needed a visa. And so, oh God, would you move? And I wonder what kind of wind God blew that gave them that visa, and here they are today. You see, God wants to move on our behalf when we're flowing in his way, when we're founded upon his word and his rock. That connection to remove our obstacles One last example of how the wind wants to blow, God wants to blow his wind of blessing was in provision. Something happened with Israel that I don't think has ever been seen or heard of uh, before then or after. But in Numbers 11, we won't read there, but Numbers 11 talks about God sent a wind that brought quails and just fell all over the camp. Now, in that situation, God had to deal with those who weren't connected. They were, they were hungering after the things of Egypt, but he used a wind that just provided for, for them. And God just poured out his provision and his blessing. Perhaps there's something in your life where you need some provision. It could be in the natural. It could be in the spiritual realm. And you say, Lord... I'm just walking in obedience to you. Oh, would you provide? Would you make a way for me to to do what would please you? And I'm always amazed at how when when we need provision, somehow it just blows in. I don't know how it got here, but it just, God provides and we can walk in in the pathway and in the journey that he has set before us. Matthew 6 and verse 33 It says, just seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and everything else will be added. If we will seek to be founded upon the rock, God will blow in his wind of blessing, of life, of provision, and he'll move the obstacles out of our way to follow him. Can I close with one more story? Is that okay? Maybe some of you have read about the revival in Argentina 
under Tommy Hicks. It happened in the 1950s. And, but there's a story I always remember of how he came there and God had him start just a tiny church. And, but he had faith for something so much greater. It, the, the, what it resulted in was a mighty revival where they filled a stadium. But here he was, this tiny church, and he felt God speak to him to have a prayer meeting. And he tried to have a prayer meeting at a time that was convenient. And he thought about, well, when it will be convenient for everyone in the church? And no one came. Oh, Lord, I'm trying to do that. And God spoke to him, we'll have it at an inconvenient time. Well, how's that going to work? <laughs> but he did it. And he put it in an inconvenient time when he thought everyone would be busy. And three people came. It's like, well, that's better. <laughs> that's an improvement. And so they were praying, and they prayed for several hours. At the end, he said, does anyone feel anything from the Lord? Has, has anyone gotten anything? And a young lady spoke up and said, well, I felt a strange urge that the Lord wanted me to pound the table, but I could never do that. A lady would never do that. And they closed the prayer meeting. The pastor was discouraged. And he felt to have another prayer meeting. The same thing for three nights. And the lady said, well, I feel the same thing. I'm supposed to pound the table, but I just can't do that. And the pastor said, okay, sister, this is what we're going to do. Everyone here is going to go around this table and pound it. And you will be the last one. And you're just going to do everything that we do. And so they went around. Everyone pounded the table. And finally she came. And she did so as well. And at that moment... It was described as a rushing wind swept through that room and instantly they were on their knees worshiping God. Previously, they had been so apathetic for the things of the Lord. But from that point on, power was released from heaven. People started filling the church, getting saved, baptized in the Holy Spirit, healings spread throughout the whole nation and a mighty move of God came. Amen. But what did that start with? One young person who God spoke something a little unusual to. Has God ever spoken something unusual to you? And you're like, Lord, are, is this you, Lord? Are you sure this isn't my flesh? Well, sometimes we need to test it, but yet we have to pay attention. If it remains, sometimes we submit it to our authority, right? Like she did. And if our authority says, you know, I feel this is God, what releases the power is when we hear his word and we do it. And God orchestrated it so that he had a word for her. And when she did it, power was released that touched a whole nation. Well, we need the, our nation touched, don't we? We need, we need a touch of God in our church. We need a touch of God in our families. And so what do we need? Lord, would you speak to me your word from heaven that I can believe you and obey you so that it would release a wind that would blow through, cause us to be established upon the rock and bring a revival of your resurrection power. Amen? Oh, we need his resurrection power in our day. But it starts with us. It starts with our connection to the rock. If we will commit to put, putting God first in our lives of doing only those things that please him, 
to be fully connected to his word and what he would speak to us in, in those three areas, right? In his written word, in responding to the prompting of the Holy Spirit, and then submitting to our authority, we want to be fully connected to him. But that will enable us to stand because the winds are going to blow that will test us. And if we're not connected to the rock, even if we have one weak connection, that can undermine everything. But if we will be connected to him, we will not just stand when the winds of testing come. Oh, but the winds of blessing will come and flow in us and through us. He will be our source of power, of life, and provision. And so God bless you on this Easter morning. And may you know the power of the risen Savior that would strengthen you to stand, empower you in your journey to come, as we heard this morning in Sunday school, unto the mountain of his inheritance where you will receive life. Amen. Father, we just thank you. Thank you for your resurrection life that you poured out to us through the sacrifice of your son. Oh, Lord, would you even move afresh in us, cause us to hear your word. Lord, establish us and connect us firmly. Lord, we ask that you would even, Lord, come and speak to us, reveal in our lives areas of weak connections or even areas of disconnection. Oh, establish us on the rock, we pray, that we might withstand the winds that are blowing. Oh, and that we could experience the wonderful wind of your spirit flowing in us and through us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. God bless you.